Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will Welcome to the Text Talk program. We're so glad that you've tuned into the podcast. Edwin, what is our text for today? We're still in Acts chapter 13 this week, and I'm going to be reading verses 20 through 26. We read the entire sermon yesterday. We did. We're just going to read a segment of it today, beginning at verse 20 from the English Standard Version. All this took about 450 years, and after that he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all my will. Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he. No. But behold, after me one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. I'm loving this sermon about the great salvation. We are jumping into the beginning of it, kind of into the middle of it, a sermon preached by the Apostle Paul in the community of Antioch, Pisidia. We are looking at this first evangelistic journey, and even though the um, community, the town, this would be a Gentile town and province, he does start in the synagogue, as we were uh, talking about yesterday, speaking to the Jews. He's bringing this history to them, and I know that's what we kind of want to talk about here and and think a little bit about this history, but uh, I'll just say on the outset that I I love the, um, I love, I love uh, bringing up John the Baptist, actually. He is one of my favorites. (laughs) You you can say that. Okay, thanks, thanks. I'll I'll say it for this, that uh, John the Baptist is certainly much more of a contemporary of everyone that, uh, you know, Paul mentions here, talking about Saul, talking about David, talking about the judges and Samuel. You know, this is all Israel's past. But Paul in this preaching takes it up to, you know, basically present times, present day with this ministry of John the Baptist. You know, before his uh, evangelistic travels are over, Paul's going to meet people who still consider themselves to be disciples of John the Baptist. And so to take uh, take John and, and set him in this context of this great plan of the Lord bringing about uh, the, the, the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham, but also the King of Kings and Jesus Christ, uh, and, and the role that John has in that. I got a question for you, and this is completely off the cuff, so I don't want to throw you off, but uh, something that grabbed my attention as I'm reading it this week that I had never thought about before. Mm-hmm. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul calls himself one who was born out of due time. Mm-hmm. So he did not witness Jesus or the ministry of Jesus as the original 12 apostles did. Right. Which means he did not witness the ministry of John. Mm-hmm. And yet here he gives us a pretty direct quote and explanation of the ministry of John. How do you think he found out about that? Well, I think that you've got a few things going on. The the first of which is, like I said a moment ago, John is not uh, John John is not a, a stranger 
okay, to, to the people nor his ministry. Um, you know, to say that he wasn't a witness or, uh, I guess, present in the same way that an Andrew or a, uh, you know, James would have been is, is not to say that he wouldn't have known at all, you know, about the work of John the Baptist. Um, you know, again, I, I defer also to the Holy Spirit moving apostles. <laughs> I think that's, that's that's where a lot of this information, this revelation comes from. Yeah, I, that's really that last thing is what I was thinking about. You know, the, the Jesus promised his apostles that in the moment he would, the Spirit would give them the words they needed. And I wondered if, if this was an example of that. Now, I know Paul has spent some time in Jerusalem and he's been able to talk to some of the apostles and there may be things about, and Barnabas, who would have heard the teaching. So he's he's had this time with them. So it's not like he can't have heard about these things. Uh, But it just, it's the first time this week, this week, it's the first time that it stood out to me that Paul, who had not directly witnessed these things, is actually using that as part of his sermon. And so it is a, a fascinating thing. I do want to back up. Here's here's the thing that gets me out of this. What What's happening? You might also have, I mean, just if we're just talking off the cuff here. Let's talk off the cuff. We'll get to my <laughs> point in a minute. You just go ahead. Well, you, you might also have here that John the Baptist was appreciated by a great many, recognized as a prophet by a great many. Now, clearly with Jesus Christ and the preaching of Jesus, it is a greater claim. We're not saying that Jesus is a prophet. He's prophet, priest, and king. He's the son of God. It's a much larger claim. But you're building credibility, particularly with the Jewish audience of that day and age, to draw the line and say, Samuel, Saul, David, John the Baptist, connecting all the dots, leading us to Jesus Christ. So I think there's a rhetorical reason for it as well. Well, that ties in actually to the thing that I wanted to bring up here that fascinates me is that a couple of things are happening on layers in Saul's sermon. It's It does, you joked with me yesterday when I read the whole sermon that even though it was a lengthy reading compared to what we normally read on this podcast, it was a pretty short pretty sermon. Pretty short sermon. Compared to, you know, the sermon, sermons I normally preach. So uh, I, I do <laughs> think too. about that. But even, even in that, there are these layers that we have here. And so there's the story of the prophet's leading up to Samuel, and then God moves that to a king. Of course, the people ask for the king, but I think there's evidence from the Old Testament that God's plan had been to give them a king at some point. The The, the means by which they got there and the way the people asked was wrong, and so God right. rebuked them for that. But I really think it was God's plan all along to get them to a king. But then they get to the king, and God chooses Saul. Mm-hmm. And here's this king that really, from an earthly standpoint, did a great job as a king. I mean, honestly, if you go back and you look at the the victories that they had and the, the political spreading of the kingdom that happened during his reign, he really does a great job from an earthly standpoint. The problem was, is he spiritually, he ended up falling off the map. And so yeah. God moves to a man after his own heart, which mm-hmm. is David. Mm-hmm. And I'm so I'm asking myself the question: Why is this part of the history that Paul shares here? We we said yesterday that this sermon has some similarities to Acts chapter two, but we also recognize it has some similarities to Acts chapter seven when Stephen yeah. gives his historical sermon. Yeah, lots of history. But there's different historical points that they yeah. bring up. Yeah. When we read Stephen's sermon, we recognize that the history was given because the history fit Stephen's point. Mm -hmm. He was showing the different men that God used. And it's not about the man. 
It's about God who uses the man. So quit putting so much faith in Moses. He showed the different places where God met men. Mm -hmm. So his point was it's not about the place. It's about the God who meets man in that place. Mm -hmm. So quit putting so much faith in the temple. Temple. That's that's what Stephen was doing in Acts chapter 7. I'm, I'm asking myself, what is Paul doing as he's bringing up Saul? And it hits me. He is talking to Jews here off in, um, in the Galatian regions. Mm-hmm. And he, what he is explaining to them is that God has done something new. Mm-hmm. There was a dispensation, if mm-hmm. you will, uh, of law, Moses' law. God had a plan, but it was actually pointing somewhere. It was trying to get them somewhere. There was something they were supposed to learn that was going to mm-hmm. lead them to something new. And just like God had appointed Saul king, but moved him out of the way and brought in a complete different lineage. I mean, Saul is from the tribe of Benjamin. David is from Judah. Right. He is taken completely out of the way. His entire family is taken out of the lineage of the kings, and it goes to someone completely new. What we find is, as I'm teaching you about Jesus, Paul is saying, don't be shocked. This idea of moving to a new phase in the plan is really not surprising. God has always acted like that. Just as we go from Saul to David, we're going from Moses to Jesus. And then uh, kind of the cherry on the cake is that demonstration of, and that's what he did with John to Jesus. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Oh, sorry. No, but it it does. It it sets it up. The shift in kingdom, dispensation, a good word from Saul to David. But now this is what's happening with John the Baptist and his ministry to Jesus Christ. John would be the, the last of the prophets then of this law of Moses and this covenant and now there is a new covenant and a gospel in fact wasn't that right where you stopped reading there in verse 26 that now we have a word of salvation right and so it's all been pointing to this it's all been leading to this as he talks about david he says i'm I'm shifting this because i'm going to go from saul to david who is a man after my own heart and then he describes it who will do all my will that grabs my attention. That shocks me because I know something about David. <laughs> well, he wasn't perfect, was he? He was not. He was not. Now, he was a man after God's own heart. God explains that. He, and yeah. so we recognize in his penitence mm-hmm. something that Saul did not do when he was called on his sins. Yeah, that's so true. But here's this thing that's said about David, which we all have to admit is a little bit of a hyperbole. I mean, we might be able to say he was a good man. He was a great man. We might even say he was more spiritual than Saul, and his penitence demonstrates a greater spirituality than Saul. But the fact is, literally, it is not true that David did all the will of God. So as we say this about David, it is an exaggeration to, and a hyperbole to, to highlight the spiritual nature of his claim. But as Paul is continuing in his sermon. He's going to get to, and we didn't read this, and we'll actually talk about this more tomorrow, but in verse 13, I've got to pick up my Bible here because I'm at that age where I have to use these bifocals and I can't even see what the verse number is. It's verse 38. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. We're going to talk more about that. Through Jesus. But in verse 23, of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the man who is truly after God's own heart because Mm -hmm. he has God's heart. He he is God's heart. He is divine. And you know what he did? Literally, it is not a hyperbole. It is not an exaggeration. He did all the will of God. 
What can be said about David in, as an exaggeration, as a hyperbole, to, to as drive a type? as a type, can be said absolutely 100% literally about Jesus. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. This is going to be important in what we talk about tomorrow with the message of salvation and, and resurrection. But I want us to set that stage. What can be said about David as kind of a general hyperbole? can be said about Jesus very literally. And that's the point to these folks. Don't be surprised that God has moved from one phase to another. He moved from Saul to David. He's moved from Moses to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then, by the way, here's this other thing. He moved from John to Jesus. He moved from the prophets and judges to the kings. He moved from one king to another king. This is the way God has always worked. So don't be surprised when I'm about to tell you about something new that is what God has always been working towards. It sets it up and it helps them to understand. It helps us to understand the one true omniscient, omnipotent God uh, who is uh, forever and unchanging. And yet his plan and his purposes will change as they come to pass in his time and his time is best. Well, I'm just really enjoying this reading with you, Edwin. I'm, I'm loving Acts 13. Uh, I hope that it's a blessing to all of our listeners on the podcast. We'd love to hear what you're reading. Send us an email, texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. We'd love, to, we'd love to read those emails, read those letters. Let's bow and have a prayer. Our great God and Father, thank you, Lord, so much for the day that you've given us. Thank you, Father, that in the pages of your word we find the the telling of your will and how you have worked through men and worked through decisions, worked through peoples and through ages to bring about this plan of salvation, this wonderful message fulfilled and truly in Jesus Christ. Father, he is the one who did everything right and nothing wrong. He is our Lord and our Savior, our example. We want to walk in his light and bring glory to your name. Please bless us to that end. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day. Wait.